Good morning, everyone. I'm Pastor Mark, one of the pastors here, and we are in a series, the fourth week of In the Garden, the most important prayer Jesus ever prayed. And uh, previous uh, three weeks, Pastor Eric is, has been teaching, and uh, just to recap where he's been, each, each week we're building on this series of, of what happens when we're able to say those words that Jesus said, not my will, but your will be done. And the first week that, that Eric taught was, he said, when you are able to say, uh, not my will, uh, what happens is that you, are, uh, that you radically claim your belovedness. The next week, when we uh, say, not my will, but your will be done, what happens is uh, we are willing to embrace the trials and testing, and that results in growth. And then last week, he talked about when we say, not my will, but your will be done, we can have an ongoing, dynamic relationship with God. So this week, uh, I'm really excited because I'm going to be talking about community, talking about really a community of faith, talking about the church. And I think this really kind of comes together really nicely as I really believe that I got a, a glimpse uh, last week of the church at its best when I was in Haiti. I believe, and just to let you know, that I believe that church at its best is when it is the incarnation of Jesus. Church at its best is when it is the incarnation of Jesus. What does that mean? It means when we come together and we are able to put aside our brokenness and our selfishness and, and our fear, and that we're able to look at one another and make allowances for one another's faults, but also see the, the, the God spark in them, to see the Holy Spirit indwelling in them, and saying, I can rely on that, and together we can transcend this broken and messy world that we live in. That, that when that happens, we are the very presence of Jesus Christ on this earth. That the lame will walk and the blind will see. That the, the hungry will eat and the thirsty will drink. This is why I follow Jesus. This is why I am part of a faith community because I believe that when we come together that we are the incarnation of Jesus when we do when we are living at our best. So, I uh, honestly, uh, I came back from Haiti and there was so much to process and there was just so many great things. And then obviously when you're in a third world country and exposed to uh, a lot of poverty and things like that, you start questioning and asking yourself some questions and stuff like that. But one of the really cool things was that uh, I got to deliver the leg uh, to Jovens and got to experience all that. So when I came back, I, I thought, oh, I'll read through some of Jesus's healings. And I was reading through uh, uh, one of Jesus's healings in Matthew chapter 15. And I just, uh, after he did a bunch of healings and the lame were walking and the blind were seeing and, and all these kinds of different things, it continued on that he was preaching and all these people were following him. And it really struck me what happened next. And I wanted to share that with you. 
If you turn to your Bibles in Matthew chapter 15 and verse 32, Jesus then called his disciples and told them, I feel sorry for these people. They have been here with me for three days and they have nothing left to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry or they will faint along the way. Now, I want to premise what I'm going to talk about today. Um, I've been a pastor for 15 years. I've been following uh, Christ for 20-something years. And uh, I readily admit that 90% of the time, I get it wrong. I'm a wretch. I try. My intention, I try, but, but I fall short of God's glorious standard. But every so often, I, I happen to be in the right place spiritually in the, and, and things, things come together. And I believe that last week was one of those things, one of, one of those times. So when I'm talking about what happened last week, I am not standing up here saying I am holier than thou and this is the way I always am. No, I am not. I, I am usually, you know, not doing very well and doing the best I can. And I am. But, but this is one of these times that, that, and it really came together when I was reading this because Jesus said, I feel sorry for these people. They have, been, they have been here with me for three days and they have nothing left to eat. And I don't want to send them away hungry or they will faint along the way. And I'm like, you know what? Jesus has done all these miracles and doing all this preaching, but he has this just this really just kind of empathetic moment where he's looking at the people and they have this physical need and, and he feels for them. He's worrying for them. And I really feel two years ago, I, I had that same type of feeling when I uh, was introduced to, to Jovens, a little boy who, who uh, had never walked and could not go to school and, and lived in Haiti, but not only Haiti, which is the, the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere, but he lived in, or lives in the slums of the poorest city uh, in the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. And I don't know why, and I've, I've, I've asked myself the question, why this kid, why, why, why did it touch my heart? But I believe one of the few times in my life that I felt what Jesus was feeling here. And I got to be honest with you, I've, I, I feel divine splendor when I experienced what Jesus felt. You know that moment where Scripture and you following Jesus and your actions and what you're feeling kind of all line up together? I mean, it doesn't happen all the time, let's be honest, right? Okay. But when it does, and hopefully you've experienced this, you feel divine splendor. You feel like, wow, you know what, God, God has put me and, 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 and called me and I actually got outside of my own selfishness and brokenness in order to hear and act, to say, not my will, but your will be done. So, 
In verse 33, the, the disciples replied, where would we get enough food here in the wilderness for such a huge crowd? There's about 4,000 men, about 8,000 to 10,000 people total with women and, women and children. I think it is a legitimate question to ask. And, and I think that Jesus' response is so important for you and I in our daily walk. Because the disciples are like, how are we going to feed all of these people? And Jesus responds to them, how much bread do you have? And I think that this goes to the, the very nature of God that, that, that Jesus does not command, this is what I want. But he asks, what do you have? And I believe at this moment, at this point, when we are able to say, not my will, but your will be done, when we say, you know what, this is what I have and offer it to Jesus, that this is the inception point of miracles, that this is a spark that, that lights an, a, a fire of the gospel, that that we become and have the opportunity to be the incarnation of Jesus Christ in this lost and hurting world. That often we think that God is a tyrant, but God is not a tyrant. God will never ask you for what you do not have. He asks, what do you have in your hands? And they replied, we have seven loaves and some fish, right? And what happens is Jesus says, all right, start, you know, distributing it and putting it around. And what happened was that the food kept on multiplying and multiplying and multiplying until everybody had all they want. They ate freely. And, and they had an overflow, an abundance left over. And we often say, you know, why can't we be part of miracles like this? Why, why do we, we miss out? Why can't we see miracles like this in the Bible? Didn't Jesus say that greater things, you will do greater things than me in my name? And I, I think that a lot of times that we miss these opportunities because we look at what we have in our hands and we don't see how God can do anything with it. And I can tell you that that resonated with me two years ago when I was introduced to Jovens. That a little boy living in a country that is, that is the poorest in the Western Hemisphere, that, that he lives in the slums outside of the poorest city and the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere, who has a malformed leg, a little foot that's flipped back. And I felt the feeling that, you know what? I was asked by Jesus, what is in your hands? And I had all the excuses. I'm not a doctor. Well, I am, just not the kind that help people. I'm not a surgeon. 
I don't have a whole lot of money. I definitely don't have a prosthetic foot. I don't have all of these things. But when I looked at what is my hand, I, hand, what I was entrusted with, what was my bread? My bread was that, that God has entrusted me to be a pastor in a very generous church, that he has uh, uh, given me, uh, not me, but us, Facebook, which gives us a, a pretty big platform and things like that. Uh, uh, friends like the Hannahs and, uh, and other people that, who know people. And so I felt that, you know what, I need to take this, faith, this step of faith and offer to Jesus what I do have. I didn't know what was going to happen. And there's been ups and downs for the past two years, but last week we finally got to a point where, where uh, I almost got a glimpse of what the incarnation of Jesus, the church, looks like when we come together. And I have, um, it's, it's like a five-minute video that I've put together. I, it, it's lengthy, I get it, but I'm not a professional editor or, or storyteller, so it's the best I could do. It's my best offering. So, uh, uh, but uh, I, would, I would be honored if you would watch this video. Opens his leg, so hopefully we'll get some good video of him seeing his first his leg for the first time. And hopefully we'll get a big smile out of him. I also got you some shoes. You can't leave back here. It's okay, it's a hussy. So you don't flush it out. Look at that. Hold it down. Hold it. Hold it. Hold it. Hold it. Hold it. That's your shoe. That is your new shoes. It's going to be a bowl. You want to hold your... You want to hold it? Is it going to be something? Remember when we talked and said that someday we're going to get you this leg and you're going to be able to walk and walk? Yeah. Right? So, I thought that if you had talked, you would have said that you would have to walk with your arms and you would have to walk with your arms. You would have to walk with your arms. What I am enjoying? 
Remember watching the video with me? Of the little boy who, who didn't have a leg and then we got him a leg. And he went out and played football. Mache. Mache. Yeah, it went black over there. Okay. Bad bulla. I learned a lot from that little boy last week. Uh, these are the crutches that, that Michael gave them, gave Jovens uh, in the start of the video. They were brand new. This is the uh, crutches that uh, enabled him to walk uh, for the very first time. And it was really interesting to me that... He didn't want to give up his crutches. They're too small for him. He'd outgrown them. 
They're ratty, as you can, you can see. We brought them a brand new leg that each and every one of you prayed over. New crutches. But he didn't want to trade in these old ones. He wanted to keep them. And uh, I started thinking, why? You know, what's wrong with this kid, right? And God kind of put a mirror on me and said, what's wrong with you? What about your crutches? What about the thing that, that represents your security? I have all of these things that I want to offer you the equivalent of the ability to walk and no longer be lame, to get around, to not, to not be an outcast, to invite you into a larger plan, into a larger community, but you are holding on so tightly to some ratty old crutches. And as I was talking with, with Joe Vins and just spending the week with him, playing basketball and walking and, and laughing with him, which was just an amazing uh, thing. God impressed on, on me that he needed to release these crutches in order for him to be free from those crutches and to begin his whole new life. And to... to to my testimony, or uh, uh, Michael and Martha say, I was, I was willing and ready to pay him hundreds of dollars for these. <laughs> I, I was. I, I was coming home with them. He didn't know that. But, but at the last moment, I said, you know what? God doesn't want me to buy these. God wants me to give him the opportunity to be a blessing to others. And I shifted gears. I don't know, you know, the video wasn't all that great, um, but I didn't offer him any money. And he wanted to hold on to him until I said, I believe, and I do believe this, if you give me these crutches, that other little boys and girls will be able to be helped. And at that point, I don't know if you heard, he said, we. He said, yes, and gave me these crutches, doing two things, freeing him from the bondage of these, and also taking a step into the larger story of God. Because I believe that these crutches tell us a story, that when we say we, when we say yes to God, that we can be the incarnation of Jesus in this lost and hurting world. One last scripture I just want to touch base on because I think it's important. It's actually found in Exodus and uh, chapter 4. And it's another time where God asks somebody what's in their hands and asks them to give it up. In Exodus chapter 4, verse 1, God is calling Moses to free his people. And Moses is protesting, saying, I stutter, I don't have this, I don't do this, you know, I don't have an army, blah, 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 all of these excuses. 
And then the Lord asks him, what is that in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replies. A shepherd's staff is in my hand. Now, what did that shepherd's staff represent to Moses? Anybody? Security? What? Defense? His occupation? So security, occupation, his status as, as a shepherd... It was his everything. It was his security. It was his position. It was his occupation. It was how he made his living. It was his identity. And God says, throw it to the ground. Throw it to the ground. Jovens, the one thing that enabled you to walk for the first time, the, the thing that enabled you to go to school for the first time, to not be looked at as a freak as you, as you w crawled around in dirt and garbage while all the other kids were running around. I want you to give those up because God has something better in store. He has a larger plan for your life. Moses, I want you to take your identity. I want you to take your security. I want to, to have you take your protection. I want you to take your occupation. And I want you to throw it to the ground and trust me. And he throws it to the ground and it turns into a snake. And that's for a whole nother sermon. <laughs> and then God says, pick it up by the tail. Me personally, I would have picked it up by the tail anyway. But he said, and he picks it and it turns back into his staff. And, you know, it almost reminds me of like, you know, the old army kind of stories you hear about, like the drill sergeant would make all the privates move a pile of dirt to one place and then move the same pile of dirt back to the right where it was before. You know those stories and everything? It's like, what? Take my staff and throw it down and then you want me to pick it up again? And again, this is where a lot of times we get involved or go on, on a trip of an adventure of missing the point. That God doesn't necessarily want to take anything from you. But He wants to show you that you trust Him more than what is in your hand. And that is what He asked Jovens to do. That is what He asked the disciples to do. And that is what He is asking us to do. The reality is that we all have something in our hand. We all have time we have money, we have our careers, we have talents. And our brokenness and our, our uh, it's, you know, uh, 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 fear makes us want to hold on to those things. But let me tell you, as the church, as a community of faith, as people who have been called to be the incarnation of Jesus Christ, here in this lost and hurting world, 
that Jesus is asking, what is in your hands? And will you offer those things up? So you will have the opportunity to be at the inception point of a miracle, to be the spark that lights the gospel. Are you courageous enough? Are you, bla- are you brave enough? Do you have enough trust and faith in me to lay down your staff, to offer up your crutches and say, you know what, Lord, this is all I have and this is all I know, but I trust you that you have something larger in store for me. What I believe is when we do this, that great things happen, that the blind see, the lame will walk, that we will be part of greater things that even Jesus did because he promised us, if we follow him, that we will experience those things. And just to remind us and just to to finish off, the reality is that when we are able to say the words and live them out, not my will, but your will be done, as Eric said, that that radical uh, will radically claim our belovedness that we will be able to finally embrace the trials and the testing and, and experience true growth, that we will have an ongoing and dynamic relationship with God. And then also, when we say, not my will, but your will be done, God, we will join in the larger story of God. Will you guys pray with me? 